Once you start stepping into doing what you're meant to do and you're actually producing things, I don't know what happened, but one day I just stopped being my own worst critic and I started becoming my number one fan. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast focused on helping you overcome the challenges of making a major career change. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you figure out the steps you can take to move on in your career and make your professional ambitions a reality. In each episode, we'll be speaking with people who have an inspiring career story to share, learning from the brave leaps they took to pursue something new and helping you find the clarity, confidence, and courage to make your own brave decisions that improve your career and life. You can subscribe to this podcast by going to careerrelaunch.net where you can listen to all the latest episodes and get more useful resources to help you navigate your own career journey. Today, my guest is gonna talk about how she relaunched her career from being a teacher at a nonprofit organization to becoming an artist. We'll talk about the impact culture and community can have on your career choices and the importance of being your own number one fan. Afterwards, I'll share my thoughts on the power of believing in yourself. Now, before we start with today's interview, I wanted to let you know I'm launching my very first online course on Udemy called How to Build a Strong Personal Brand to Land Your Next Dream Role. Now, if you're not familiar with personal branding, personal branding can help you stand out to hiring managers, land that next promotion, or reach more of your ideal clients. And I created this course because I've seen how strong personal branding can make a difference when you're relaunching your career. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it with my clients. So I've taken the techniques I share with my private clients and from the live personal branding workshops I host and packaged them into an online 90-minute course you can run through at your own pace. By the end of the course, you'll be able to use a simple framework to build your own unique personal brand, create a clear summary of your professional strengths in a way that's authentic and not too self-promotional, and use social media to reinforce what makes you unique, especially when you're job hunting. The course is $200. But I've created a special launch deal for my podcast listeners where you can get the course for $29 if you're one of the first 50 listeners who sign up before June 30th. I'd really love for you to try the course, and I also genuinely believe you'll find it useful to your career. All you have to do to sign up and get the discount is go to careerrelaunch.net slash personal brand course before June 30th when this offer ends, and you'll get the course for $29 instead of $200. If you do find it useful, I'd really appreciate you taking two minutes to share a positive review for my course on Udemy. This is my very first course I'm hosting on Udemy, and especially during this launch period, your feedback is going to really help my course reach more people, grow our community, and allow me to create more helpful career courses for you in the future. You can leave your review right there on the course landing page after you join. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net slash personal brand course. If you have any questions about the course, feel free to email me anytime at joseph at careerrelaunch.net. Okay, on to today's interview. My guest on today's show is Sandeep Johal, an artist, educator, and workshop facilitator who recently made the jump from a stable full-time teaching career at a not-for-profit to a career in the arts. The birth of her son prompted her to reevaluate her career choices and push through the fear to create the life she wanted. And the way she put it to me, her days are now spent taking care of her son and her nights are spent making art. Now, Sandeep is someone I really enjoy talking to because she has such a unique background, having spent time working with immigrants and refugees, and now she creates art as a vehicle not only to feed her passions, but also to create some positive impact in society. She spoke with me from Vancouver, Canada. 
Okay, Sandeep, good morning, and thanks so much for joining me here on Career Relaunch. I'm very excited to talk to you, and I'm also excited because you're calling in from one of my favorite cities in the world, which is Vancouver. So thanks so much for taking time to speak with us today. Well, thanks so much for having me. And Vancouver's been raining for two months straight. So <laughs> Oh, oh no. <laughs> well, it's also raining over here. So that makes two of us. So I've got so much I want to cover with you today, Sandeep. And I'd love to just start off by talking through some of the work that you do right now. Can you start off by telling us about the art that you're doing and you're focused on right now in your life? It's basically an extension of a series I did in 2006. And that series was called When Honor Kills, and it was based on honor killings in my culture. I'm South Asian. And uh, it highlighted two specific women whose deaths had really impacted me. And after I'd done that series, I kind of stepped away from that type of work, but it was always on my mind. And now I've returned back to work around gender justice. So I'm working on two series right now with working titles the first one's called Anamika Devi, and the second one is called Hardcore. I'm really heavily influenced by Indian textiles that you'll find a lot in my work. And I do a lot of geometric abstractions. So a lot of my work is very symmetrical, very geometric, really heavily pattern-based and shape-based. I understand that you were working in the teaching profession before at a nonprofit. Could you just take us back in time and explain the type of your work you were doing before you got involved with the current art that you're doing right now? So I went to art school when I turned 30 for two years. And then after that, I was like, I'm going to be an artist. And I spent basically eight months being broke and depressed. And then (laughs) it was really, it was a tough time. What makes that depressing? Because I know that breaking into art must be very difficult. What's the hardest thing about that? I think it's that expectation that you're just going to have all of these ideas and you're going to be able to execute them and you're going to get yourself out there when really you're so exhausted from having been doing art 40 to 60 hours a week for two years and then you finish and you're by yourself and you're trying to figure this all out and they don't teach you business courses in art school and so you really don't know how to run a business either I just think I wasn't ready I think timing is everything and that time was not the right time for me to be pursuing it. And so obviously I had to hustle to pay my rent. And then I got the job that I previously left about eight months later. And it was at Immigrant Services Society, which is an organization that's been around for 40 years in Vancouver. And its specific goal is to help immigrants and refugees acclimatize to life in Canada and give them the resources they need and support they need to build their lives here. So how did you go from doing that line of work to making the leap into the art world? And can you walk us through a little bit of that sequence of events for us? It got to the point where I just felt really unhappy and I felt kind of embarrassed telling people what I did for a living because it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. I mean, the job was, my colleagues were amazing. The organization is, you know, a wonderful organization. I loved teaching to the students. I met so many incredible people from all over the world. And I learned about these stories of their lives. It made me really realize how lucky we are living in Canada. Because all things considered, you know, some of my students had really, really hard experiences in their countries. And it was such an awakening for me to be around different types of people and to be able to connect with them. And so I really love that aspect of my job. I love connecting with people. But I just, I wasn't happy. I just felt like 
there was something else out there for me. It really has always been art, but I think there's just been so much fear around pursuing it. So in 2013, my husband told me to start a website, but he said he wasn't going to help me make it. So I had to figure it out on my own. So of course, I'm like cursing him as I'm trying to figure all this out because I'm still really (laughs) analog person. I'm not totally digital, like into the digital world yet. Was he in a position to be able to help you with that? I mean, is he a... For sure. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. Why was... I'm just out of curiosity. Why was it that he wanted you to, to take the lead and to own that? Uh, tough love. He just wanted me to like really figure it out on my own. And it was good that he did that because I did figure it out. And I was like, great, because he just wanted me to kind of understand how to do these things because I really was so opposed to digital things. So I made the website. It was a huge undertaking. It took me about probably three months. And then I put it out there in the world. And my friends and people I've known for a long time were all like, finally, you know, people have been waiting for me to do this for so long. And so I was finally stepping into it, but I didn't know what to do in terms of art. So I went back to Mandela's because I've been doing them for so long. And then I posted them online and people were really interested in them. And so I had a few people asking, where are you going to make these into prints? And so I chose 20 and I made them into prints and I sold a bunch at the end of the year. Wow. So that was great. And then the next year I was like, okay, I'm going to make more. But then I got pregnant. And so I was obviously tired and I had other things on my mind. So I didn't really do much art until my son was born in 2015. What do you think held you back from moving toward doing this work that you're so passionate about? What do you think held you back from doing that sooner? I think when I was growing up, I didn't see any Indian role models that I could look up to in terms of art, people who were doing what I wanted to do. So I didn't really have a reference point. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so I ended up doing a biology degree because that's just what you do. I wasn't happy doing my biology degree. But during the degree, I would make like uh, glow in the dark t-shirts and I'd like run into my anatomy class and be like, hey, stop, you know, to my teacher, turn off the lights, look what the shirt I made. Uh-huh. And he kind of shake his head and be like, why are you in this faculty? <laughs> so I even had like my professors telling me that I was in the wrong faculty and I should be in the arts faculty. But yeah, going back to my culture, you know, there's only a few options that people seem to think Indians or people should have, you know, doctors dentist, lawyer, engineer, pharmacist, those jobs. And so there's not really an emphasis on the arts or I think support towards the arts. I mean, I have to think about where my parents are coming from. They came from India as immigrants. So they didn't have that luxury of being like, hey, well, I think I'm just going to, you know, pursue art. They had to basically survive and support their children. And so they took jobs that they had to take because they needed money and they needed to survive. And so I think the idea of having your career in the arts is so foreign and it's kind of self-indulgent too, that it's hard to put it into context for them. Even though they understand that I love art, it's hard for them to understand what does that look like as a career. How much do you think that influenced your decision to not pursue it initially? Was that the the primary factor that you think kept you from pursuing it? I don't want to put any blame on my family because obviously you make the choices you make. But I think I was 
scared to sort of step out in that direction because I was scared of failing. And if I was going to do it, I wanted to show my family that I was going to succeed at it. So when I turned 30, that's when I decided to go and study art. And when I told my parents, I didn't even want to tell them, but when I told them, my mom was like, why can't you just get a job and stick to it? Um, So yeah, so even then they were kind of like, what are you doing? And so at the end of my two years, when they saw the response to my work, and they were at my grad show, I could see the pride, you know, swell up in them. And they could kind of see what I was doing, but I think still not totally understand what I was doing. It's been a long journey to get here, for sure. How did you manage that? I mean, the fact that they were not completely on board with this, and they didn't quite get it while you were still making it in that industry? Everyone wants their parents' approval. Everyone wants to make their parents proud. I want to make my parents proud, but I want to do it on my terms. And I want to do it with my art. And so I think there's a lot of struggle and a lot of soul searching and thinking about what I really wanted in life. It's my life and I should be the one that makes the decisions and decides what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think they're understanding more what I'm doing now, for sure. I can relate to that for sure. I Well, I'm Asian American and as you may know, I wanted to go to medical school and then I went to medical school and then I, I actually dropped out after two weeks just because it was just not for me. And um, that phone call to my parents was not an easy one to make. <laughs> and then I, I literally, I think I kind of just disappear for a while. Like I think I had to kind of disappear for a few months or it might even been like a year just to kind of sort stuff out for myself. And I, so I, I see what you mean about just needing to, to reconnect with yourself and figure out what you want. Was there anything else tough about making that transition into the art world? I know you you mentioned before it it was a bit of a slow start. Basically, I had my son in April 2015. And then I don't know what happened. I just, something like a switch went off. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, I need to really reevaluate and prioritize my life. And so I really thought about what kind of mother I want to be and what kind of life I want to have. And I realized that I couldn't tell my son to dream big or to go after his dreams if I wasn't doing it myself. And I realized that I had to just push through all the fear about doing this and just do it because I want to be the best role model I can for my son. So yeah, having him actually got me on track. And after my mat leave, I took an additional six months leave of absence, which just ended in October. And so that was when I made the complete decision to leave the job and pursue the art full time. What ultimately tipped the scales? In May, I joined Studio, a studio run by women for women, and it's female artists for female artists. And it's called Thrive Art Studios. So it's also just been open for about a year, just over a year. Is that in Vancouver? It's in Vancouver. Yeah. And so the founder, Jamie Smith, had reached out to me to come and join this art studio. And so I met with her and she just had such great energy. And so I joined this female art studio. And within six months, I can't even tell you how much my confidence has grown, how much better my art is getting, how much community I have now, how many resources I have access to. And so that, I think, has played a huge factor in it. I also, through Thrive Art Studio, I have an art consultant, Penny Lane Shen, and so I've had two consults with her, and she basically 
has helped me redefine my vision and cut away all the sort of fluff and move in the direction that I want to move, but in a more clarified way. I guess I realized that you need to connect with people. I didn't know how to get out there and connect with the arts community. I didn't know what to do. And so the studio just came along at the right time. And it's all about collaboration over competition. And so it's a really supportive environment. I realized too that you have to invest in yourself financially as well and reach out to people to help and find mentors, find people who have more experience than you that can direct you in ways that you can't direct yourself. What do you think kept you from trying to create a community around the work that you're doing or find a community? I know one of the things you mentioned was you just you weren't aware of it, but was there anything else that kept you from wanting to surround yourself with other people? You know, just struggling with all those feelings of being a mom and having this little child that's yours and you, know, you have to try and figure them out and you're exhausted. And my son didn't start sleeping through the night till about two months ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, I felt like I was living in a fog and I was exhausted all the time. And so, I mean, that definitely had an impact. I think I was just kind of a bit shy, too. Like, I wasn't sure how to approach it. Like, I guess at that point, I didn't have that sensibility of like, oh, I could just email someone or reach out to them. But now it's a thought for me all the time. Like if I want to talk to someone, I reach out to them. If I want to do a studio visit, I reach out to them. And people are kind and they will give you their time and they will just be so gracious about it. I've been really lucky with the people I've found. Reaching out and connecting with other people is such a great way to, to catalyze the changes that you want to make. When you started spending time at the Thrive Art Studio, what was the most surprising part of being part of that community and the impact that it had on your work? Just the level of support. There are people who are emerging artists, artists that are mid-career, established artists. So there's a whole gamut when it comes to where people are in their careers. It's just been so positive and so supportive. And we have a Facebook group where we can ask questions about anything. And I think the thing I like is that it's a studio run by female artists for female artists. And so it's really focused on the female artist. Going a little bit deeper into the world of art, what do you think is the hardest part of making it in the world of art? There really is room for everyone because there are so many artists out there and so many different kinds of artists and you find them on social media and you're like, wow, there's a ton of artists out there. But then you also are like, oh man, there's so many artists out there that we're <laughs> all just trying to you know, find our little piece and get our art out there and get known. So I think sometimes falling down that comparison hole when you're on like Instagram or social media and you're looking at other people's work and then you're like, oh man. So I've been really conscious of that just to make sure I don't start spiraling when I'm like, how are they doing this? And their work's so amazing. Oh my God, I'm such an imposter. So that's been challenging for me. And I think I sometimes do feel like pretty isolated, even though I'm, I'm working on the art and I'm doing what I want to do. I have to physically be at home working on it to get it done. So I can't just be out and about. My old job was really social. My colleagues were really good friends. And so when you go from that and then it's just you solitary in your home working on your art, it can get lonely for sure. You'd mentioned something about comparison and um, the imposter syndrome. Do you have any tips 
on how to stop being critical of yourself. I because I like that's something that I do a lot. I'm I'm quite self-critical. You know, I can't help but compare my progress with somebody else's progress in the same shoes. Any thoughts on how you deal with that or how you have dealt with that that's worked for you? My best friend, he's always telling me, this is your journey. You cannot compare yours to someone else's because their journey is different. And I think keeping that in mind, you know, we're all here doing different things. We have different lives. We have different experiences. And honestly, you can't compare yourself to other people because they're coming from a totally different place than you are. And you all have different things to learn. What happened with me was I didn't ever want to call myself an artist because I felt like I didn't have any art to show. And so if someone's like, oh, so, you know, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm an artist. Oh, where can I see your work? Nowhere. You know, so I'm (laughs) such a loser because I didn't actually have, you know, anything to show people. And I didn't have anything going on. So I never said I was an artist. And I've only just started saying it probably in the last six months. And it feels better because I've actually been doing things and I have things to show and I have things on my website and I have things in the pipeline for next year coming up. So I think once you start stepping into doing what you're meant to do and you're actually producing things, I think you start to lose a bit of that critic. Also, I don't know what happened, but one day I just stopped being my own worst critic and I started becoming my number one fan. And everything changed. I think it's because I started doing art every day. So instead of just sitting there worrying about like, oh, what should I draw? What should I paint? What should I do? I just started creating art every single day. And then I saw how one project would lead into the next project, which would lead into the next project and how my art would slowly evolve and change the more I made it. And so I started really enjoying the art that I was making. And I was like, you know what? I like this. Like, I'm really proud of myself. And I think I'm doing good work and I'm working really, really hard to produce this work. And so I think I just kind of switched it around. I love that. That is such a great mindset to have, to be your own number one fan, because if you can kind of believe in it yourself, then I would imagine it's so much easier to convince others that there's also value there. But we can oftentimes be our own worst enemies with that stuff. So I'm going to I'm going to write that down and remember that. (laughs) And it's like, well, if you don't believe in yourself, then who is going to believe in you? I'm very fortunate that I have the most amazing husband. And I didn't make this decision on my own. He basically helped me work through all of this. And when it was time for me to decide whether I should leave my job or not, I had told him, like, look, I'll go back to work. I will do whatever we need to do. And he basically said, look, I would feel better if you were at home with our son and I think you should pursue your art full time. And so I even had to be like, are you sure? Like, are you sure you're okay being the only provider? Because that's a lot of pressure. And he was like, just do it. And I was like, okay. And then I asked him like, so if I like totally sucked, would you tell me? (laughs) He was like, well, yeah, of course. And I was like, okay, so you believe I can do this? And he was like, yes. And I'm like, okay. So he's been also just my biggest cheerleader and, I feel so fortunate that he believes in me enough to support me in this career change that I've started. When you look back on your career change, Sandeep, what's something that you wish you had known that you now know? If there's something that you are passionate about and something that fulfills you, just go for it. Because I've spent so much time not doing what I wanted to do. 
And I felt so unhappy at so many points in my life because I wasn't doing it. Just go for it. Because if you don't do it, you don't know what's going to happen. And since I set my mind to doing this, all good things have been happening. And it's like, I'm on the right path because doors are just opening for me. I feel like if you have a passion, you have to follow it. And also you have to create your own opportunities. So that's another thing I didn't really realize because I'd always be like, well, how do all these people do all these things? It's because you actually have to find the opportunities and reach out to people and create them. And so now I've been doing that and I'm getting a better understanding of what's required to you know, move forward in your career, which has been really awesome. I think also investing in yourself financially, you know, like I have the art consultant and I, you know, I pay her to come and help me manage what I'm doing. You know, I'm part of the art studio. I take professional development workshops. You know, I do all sorts of things now that I never did before. And so it's like invest in yourself. If you don't have the money, save up for it or just do it anyway. And money will come later. I think, you know what, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, I think you just have to trust and you have to trust in the universe and trust that you're doing the right thing and just be open to it. As long as you're making the strides to create this life, I think you'll be supported. That's another great mindset. I think that, yeah, when you open yourself up to the opportunities, they do come your way, especially if you're doing the work you're meant to be doing. So I want to talk a little bit more about the work that you're currently doing. And I know you alluded to this at the very beginning. Can you just describe to us in a little bit more detail the work you're doing on those two gender justice series? So the first one, I read a book a few years back called The Selector of Souls by Shauna Singh Baldwin. I love Indian writers. They just express the most grim situations in the most beautiful ways. So in the book, there's a goddess called Anamika Devi. Her form is a clay pot. And so this woman has this divine intervention, and she's been told that they have to give Anamika Devi a bodily form now. And so her and some of the women from the village sneak off into the cave where the clay pot is, and they have this conversation where they're trying to decide what she should look like. And I always had this idea of what would I interpret her bodily form as. And so I did a 12-inch by 12-inch painting for a show recently, and I did my own take on it. And then I decided to do some drawing studies because I was going to do five more of those tiny paintings. And as I was doing my drawing studies, the first one that I did was around the time that an international student from Japan was missing and then found murdered in Vancouver. And it really hit me close to home because I worked in that industry for so long. And I had a lot of students from Japan and it could have been one of my students. And it was really heartbreaking. And so while I was drawing this first study, I dedicated it to her and I posted it on Instagram and, you know, said in dedication to her name and, you know, rest in power. And then I decided for each drawing that I was going to do, I would dedicate it to a woman whose murder has impacted me really deeply. So now I'm actually going to be doing a solo show next year based on them, which is amazing. So that's one of them. And then the other one is the flip side of that, where I'm looking at, it's called hardcore. So, but the core is K-A-U-R, which is a traditional Sikh woman middle name. And I'm basically highlighting women from India that I think have achieved really remarkable things, despite all of the obstacles that are in place for women in India. There was one woman who was the first Indian female amputee to climb Mount Everest. Oh, wow. 
yeah, and there's, you know, some rebels and some vigilantes and some scholars and activists and like uh, all types of women. And one of the women was actually, uh, there's a documentary out about her right now called Driving with Selvi. And she is the first woman in South India to become a taxi driver. I drew her and then um, I tagged them in it and I asked the filmmaker if I could send Selvie a copy of the drawing and she's like, yeah, I showed it to her and she'd be so happy to receive one. And so I love that idea of connecting with the real women who I'm drawing and sending them a copy of the art. I just have nothing but respect for all of these women. And if I can, you know, give them a piece of art to reflect that, then I'm so happy to do that. Wow. Very cool. Well, that is yeah. so that is so interesting to hear about, Sandeep. And I think it's amazing that you're doing this art that is just very empowering and capturing the extraordinary and the ordinary in these women. And so I think that's so cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through your career and to explain the cultural barriers that you broke through and the impact of becoming a parent on your career and the importance of connecting with people. And also that idea of just making sure that you believe in yourself and when you're your number one fan, how much of a positive impact that can have on your own career. So thank you for your time today and uh, congratulations on your upcoming art series too. Thank you. And I just want my parents to know, I love you, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them to think, you know, that they did anything to prevent me from doing my art. You know, they're great. Good. Always good to give a shout out to the parents. Yeah, so, totally. Great. Now, finally, if our listeners want to check out your art or if they want to follow you, where's the best place they can go to find you? Yeah, so you can go to my website. It's www.sandeepjohal.com. And that's S-A-N-D-E-E-P-J-O-H-A-L. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I post a lot of stuff on Instagram, um, process shots, finished pieces, things like that. And on Instagram, I'm Sandeep Johal Art. And also on Facebook, I'm Sandeep Johal Art. Thank you so much for your time today, Sandeep. Really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thank you so much, Joseph. So I hope you enjoyed hearing Sandeep's thoughts on her life as an artist, how to avoid the downward spiral of comparison, and the importance of being your own number one fan. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm going to talk about the balance between being your own worst critic and your own biggest cheerleader. Thanks to General Assembly for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. General Assembly is a pioneer in education and career transformation, specializing in today's most in-demand skills. A leading source for training, staffing, and career transitions, they foster a flourishing community of professionals pursuing careers they love. Visit ga.co to learn how General Assembly can boost your career and use promo code RELAUNCH for 20% off your first class or workshop. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a few of my own closing thoughts on today's conversation and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward in your own career. So for today's Mental Fuel, I want to pick up on one of the mindsets Sandeep shared with us about being your own number one fan. And the reason why is because this is something I actually struggle with myself and because I've also seen how believing in myself can have a concrete impact on my results. So one of the things I struggle with the most as a solopreneur, or even during those times when I've stepped off the beaten path of a traditional career, is self-critique. Two weeks ago, I was giving a talk about career change in San Francisco, and someone in the audience asked me what I found to be the biggest challenge of running my own business. I immediately said being overly critical of myself. 
which I think is due in part to unproductive comparison, something Sandeep also referenced. For me, this comes from one of two places. First, comparison to the high and sometimes unrealistic standards I set for myself. And second, comparison to what I've seen other people achieve, either in similar situations or even in completely unrelated situations. So for example, I give a lot of public talks and workshops, and I generally walk away from those talks feeling like I could have done a better job. No matter how much positive feedback I get afterwards, my tendency is to feel like it wasn't good enough. Or I'll compare myself to others. Like I'll see that LinkedIn update feed where so-and-so has gotten promoted or one of the people I follow has just crossed a big milestone I feel I should have crossed by now. And I can't help but think, am I moving fast enough, achieving enough, earning enough, progressing enough? I get into funks like this. And the problem is when I get into this cycle, nothing ever feels like enough, which is exhausting both mentally and physically and ends up having an impact on the quality of my work. It's like a vicious cycle. And honestly, it can get pretty demoralizing. On the flip side, I've also seen how being my number one fan, as Sandy put it, has really paid dividends. I remember one of the first public talks I gave after I branched off to start my own business was at a digital marketing conference in London. All the other speakers were from big name companies like Microsoft, Adobe, and Intel, and I was the only independent speaker without the backing of a big brand. But you know what? Before I went up to give my talk, I stood there and I told myself that I was absolutely going to deliver the best talk of the day, no matter what. It bordered on arrogance. I remember psyching myself up and convincing myself that my talk was going to be so good that everyone in the room would think I gave the best talk of the day. And you know what? A lot of people came up to me afterwards and told me it was the best talk of the day. Now, I'm not sharing this to brag, but to illuminate this dichotomy I experience in my own career because I've seen how my mindset can have a major impact on the results I achieve. I've seen how self-critique can really sabotage me, and I've seen how self-confidence can really propel me. I'm not saying that belief is everything. Preparation matters. Hard work matters. Knowledge matters. And being critical of your own work is necessary in order to improve and get better at what you do. But once you have those elements in place, at some point, you have to mix in your belief in yourself in order to be able to convince others to do the same. And you have to believe you're great at what you do in order to come across like someone who is great at what you do. This leads me to a quote from Tony Robbins from his book, Awaken the Giant Within, which you might remember from episode 18, I said I would read by episode 21. And he said, if you develop the absolute sense of certainty that powerful beliefs provide, then you can get yourself to accomplish virtually anything, including those things that other people are certain are impossible. So my challenge to you is to pick one element of your work where you're constantly critiquing yourself and spend the next week being a little less critical. What's one aspect of your work where you've been your own worst critic, where it's about time you gave yourself a bit more credit? Now, I actually went ahead and tried this myself with my public speaking skills when I gave my talk in San Francisco earlier this month. I decided that instead of obsessing over the preparation, I was gonna focus my energies on believing my talk was gonna be really solid and just having fun with it. And you know what? Things went just fine. So I'd love to hear which area of your career or life you're going to start becoming your own number one fan. Share your thoughts with the Career Relaunch community on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash career relaunch. 
You can also find a full recap of today's episode or leave me a comment or voicemail with your thoughts at careerrelaunch.net slash episode 20. Thanks so much for being a subscriber and part of the Career Relaunch community. And a special thanks again to Sandeep Johal for sharing her career story. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington, Electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I'm Joseph Liu, and I'll see you next time.